Good morning. If you're new here today, welcome to Calvary. We're glad that you're here. If you're a regular, we don't say this often, welcome. We're glad that you guys are here today as well. Um, we are going to continue, or we just, just finished a series on Malachi. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be doing some sermons that just kind of stand alone by themselves and take a look at some different things that we feel like God may have been putting in our hearts and some things we want to move in a direction as a church. And so today, we are going to be looking at the word faithfulness. Now, in the past, a lot of times when we'd have times like this, we did stories you should know. And these stories, we were, these were Bible stories that, as followers of Jesus, or if you're exploring the Christian faith for the first time, these are some stories that should be foundational to, your, to understanding who God is, who Jesus is, and what it looks like to follow him. So today, instead of being a story you should know, this is a word or a characteristic that you should know. And we're going to take a look at the character, one of the characteristics of God, that being his faithfulness. Now, I'm not sure what your church background is or how you, based on that church background, might describe God. What words you would use or how you would go about describing who God is. And probably for all of us, it would be a little bit different. And so, because of that, the difference there, I thought it would be best to start with how God describes himself. And so in Exodus 34, 6 is where we're going to be today. We see God giving a description of who he is. And he gives this to Moses. So in Exodus 34, 6, this is what and how God describes himself. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and in faithfulness. And this is the most repeated description of God's character that we have in Scripture. All throughout the Old Testament, we see it in the history, in the wisdom, wisdom literature, in the prophets, and on into the New Testament. And a little context to Exodus 34, 6. Why did God, this is the first time we get this description, why does he describe himself this way? Well, in biblical history, what's happened, so now we're in Exodus, so it means the Israelites, God's people, have been taking, taken out of Egypt. Moses, Moses has led them out of Egypt, and now they're at the base of Mount Sinai. And when they're at the base of Mount Sinai, what happens is God calls Moses up the mountain, and Moses is up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he's up there, the Israelite people start complaining. They start getting a little bit nervous. They're not sure what to do. Has God abandoned them? So let's go ahead and make a golden calf that we can worship because we need to have something because we feel like our God has abandoned us. Well, Moses hears about this. God tells him why he's up on the mountain. And while he's there, he comes down, and in anger for the people of God's unfaithfulness, he breaks the Ten Commandments and is frustrated with them. So because of that, after all of this is kind of settled, Moses goes back up the mountain again to get some new tablets some, for, the, for the Ten Commandments. And so because of this, right as, after God has given him those tablets, this is how he describes himself. Describes himself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and faithfulness. When I think about this word faithfulness this week, as I was kind of preparing for this week, I thought about who has been faithful in my life. 
who is a person that when I think of this that has been faithful? And the person who came to mind was a man, is a man named Roger Turpin. He was my youth leader through middle school and high school, but even before that, uh, he was like a big brother to me, even to the point where when he was a sophomore in college at Ball State, they had Little Brother Weekend, and he didn't have a biological little brother, so my parents allowed them to take two-year-old me up to Ball State for the weekend, uh, for Little Brother's Weekend, and that just started a relationship between the two of us, where I knew that I could always depend on Roger. Whether, again, it was in good times, but also in the tough times, he was a steady, faithful presence. The one time that I remember most was when I was a senior in high school, and I had a buddy of mine who came into school one morning, and he was not acting like himself. He was upset. I couldn't exactly pinpoint what was going on, and so finally I just asked him, Lucas, what's going on, man? He goes, man, I had a really tough night last night. I said, what happened? And I know Lucas's normal pattern is after school was over, he would go to the basketball courts, which were right next to our high school, and play pickup basketball most afternoons. And a lot of times he would take his neighbor, who was about 10 or 12 years old, I can't exactly remember, and he would take them and they would go play basketball. And then afterwards they'd drive home. Well, on their drive home, he was driving down 10th Street on the west side of Indianapolis, and there were some apartment complexes there on either side of the road. And on this particular day, some kids decided to try to play chicken with the cars. And one girl misjudged it, and Lucas hit her with the car. Her head went through the windshield right in front of the 10 or 12-year-old boy. And this devastated Lucas, not only because of actually hitting the girl, but also the impact it was going to have on this young kid and also himself. And so he was torn up. So by the time we get to third period, he's not making it through the day very well. And so I'm thinking to myself, what do I do? And I knew who to call. I knew to call Roger. Now, Roger worked on the south side of Mooresville. So this is about a 45-minute drive away from where we're at. But I knew if I called Roger, he would be there. And that's exactly what happened. Again, this was back before cell phones, so I used the school phone to call Roger on his landline at work. Back we used to memorize phone numbers, guys. It's incredible. But because of that, I called Roger, and he left work, took half a day, met us for lunch, and was there to comfort Lucas, to help me, and how to guide him, and continued to be the person that he is, a faithful presence in my life. Now, as we look at this word, faithfulness, there's no way I'm going to be able to cover every aspect of that. So what I'd like to do today is start with what are some of the beginning steps of faithfulness? What are some of the, the simple things, what are the first steps we can take in order to be a faithful person? So to do that, I'd like to start with the definition. So the Hebrew word that we find here in Exodus 34, verse 6, is the word amet. This is the word for faithfulness, amet. And it means trustworthy, faithful, reliable, or truth. This is also the root word where we get the word amen from, emet. And this is the word that God uses to describe himself. And we see it all through the Old and the New Testament. We see God's people continually being unfaithful, but God being emet, or being faithful towards his people. We just saw it in the early parts 
when we looked at Malachi, when we went through our last series on Malachi, what we did is we looked at how God's people were unfaithful, and yet God was calling them back to himself, knowing that he is faithful. For you, when I use the word steady, reliable, faithful, maybe even as I described Roger to you, who comes to mind in your life? Have you had someone in your life that's been faithful, steady, reliable? I asked the staff that question this week, and what I heard and what they told me and what was kind of a a common thread that we saw throughout the whole time, or each description, is that most of the time the people that we view as faithful are older than us. They're usually older than we are, and I think that's purposeful. Because I think, and in my opinion, as we grow and as we transform, faithfulness comes out of miles walked. It comes through experiences. You learn to be a faithful person as you have lived more life. So maybe for you, you're a middle schooler right now, and there's a high schooler that you have in mind, that that high schooler is really faithful. You view that person as faithful. You know that you can text them anytime and they will be there. And that's because that high schooler has walked a few more miles than you as a middle schooler. Or maybe for you right now, you're in college, and you see that newly graduated person that's got a job, and you view that person as faithful. And we could do this exercise over and over again, but more often than not, we see someone faithful as being older than us, and that's a lot of the time because it takes experience. And for most of us, faithfulness may not be a gift that we naturally have. Some people have it. Some people have, I would call it the spiritual gift of faithfulness, where they are reliable, and that is how God has created them, and it comes naturally to them. But for most of us, this may be something that we have to work on. This may be a characteristic of God that we need to put into practice a little bit more, and we need to be okay that this is going to be a slow process over time. So if this is not a natural gift for you, that's okay. Be encouraged. We serve a God who is patient with us and desires to see us to grow up. And as we walk more miles with God, we can become more faithful. Now ultimately, we see God's faithfulness in the person of Jesus Christ. We see God's faithfulness ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that he came, was born, lived a life showing us the best way to live, paid a penalty that we could not pay, conquered death to give us hope. The fact that Jesus came shows and demonstrates God's faithfulness to us. If we think of it this way, all areas of the Christian life are dependent on God's faithfulness. If we are going to follow Jesus, if we are going to live a Christian life, all of that is dependent on God's faithfulness. For example, our salvation. Salvation is found in Christ alone, through the person of Jesus, sent by God. So our salvation is dependent on God's faithfulness. The forgiveness of our sins, the hope that we can have, the peace that we can have comes from God and in Him and through His faithfulness. 
all areas of the Christian life are dependent on the faithfulness of God. Paul describes it like this in his letter to the Romans. Romans 15, 8, 9 says this, For I say that Christ became a servant to the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm his promises to the fathers. There's his faithfulness to the Jews. And so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing your praise, sing praise to your name. So here we see that God is not only faithful to the Jews, the Israelites, the people who were so unfaithful to him for so long, but he is also faithful to the Gentiles. Gentiles being those who are not Jewish. You and me. He is faithful to that. And we see that in the person of Jesus. I like how in Psalm 145 it reads like this. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. Is that not something that we should be striving to be like? To be people who are faithful with our words and gracious with our actions. Because we have a Heavenly Father who is faithful to us. But because and out of that faithfulness, we are called to be a faithful presence. We are called to have this characteristic in the different places that we find ourselves. In the areas of our day and our week, what does it look like for us to be faithful? Today I'd like to look at three different areas. Areas of our life where we are called to be faithful. First one is this. In our apprenticeship to Jesus, or in our discipleship to Jesus, in our walk with Jesus, however you want to describe that, as we are becoming more who he has created us to become, there is a call for us to be faithful to him. And the first step of being faithful is showing up. Is showing up. If we're honest, if we're going to be honest and transparent with one another here, I'll do that with you. There are times in our walk with Jesus, or in our apprenticeship to Jesus, that we have some highs and we have some lows. There are some times where we feel really close to God, and there are some times where God feels very distant. But in those times, we are still called to be faithful. So for me, what, what does my daily apprenticeship to Jesus look like? For me, a lot of it is in the morning. I love to start in the morning with daily Bible reading and prayer. And there are times that... I am excited to meet with God. When I'm walking close with God, I'm excited to get up in the morning. I'm excited to learn what I'm going to learn in Scripture. I'm excited to spend time in prayer, praying for my day, praying for my family, praying for the different people that God has put on my heart, and that will get me out of bed in the morning. But there are times that the cup of coffee I'm going to have, I'm more excited about than actually meeting with God. And maybe it's because God has not seen that close Maybe there's things going on in my life that, that have created some distance between me and God. So I may not be as excited to get up and to read his word and to pray. I'm more excited about the cup of coffee. But I still show up. And I expect God to be there. And through my faithfulness, through his faithfulness, I know accompanied with my faithfulness that he will be glorified. Also in our apprenticeship to Jesus, to Jesus, it means how do we become faithful with our church family? What does it look like to be a faithful presence here? 
Maybe you woke up this morning, you looked outside, you saw the weather, oh, it's kind of gray, it's rainy. I love sitting out on my back porch with a donut and a cup of coffee and just enjoying a nice, slow Sunday morning. And there are times that that is very nice. But in order to be a faithful presence with your church community, sometimes it means showing up and being here and being present to use your gifts, talents, abilities here with the local family, the local body, in order to glorify him. Sometimes it's just showing up. We see this example with Jesus, the idea of what mentorship looks like or discipleship looks like. We see Jesus as the primary example of this, as he walked with 12 men, and usually probably about 120 others, but 12 men that he walked with, three that he was very intentional with, and one that he loved deeply. And he would walk with them through good times and through bad times, and we're going to talk more about that here at the end. But for us, what does it look like to be that faithful presence for others, to be that mentor for someone here in our church family? For me, again, that person was Roger Turpin. He was faithful. He was available. He had four kids of his own. He had a full-time job. He was busy. But you know what? If I ever had anything going on, I don't know how many late-night dinners we had at Denny's having a Grand Slam special that he would buy and we would talk late into the evening. And I knew that he was there and he was a faithful presence. And he mentored me and helped me become the man that I am today. And so for us, who is that person? What is God calling you to do to be faithful in your apprenticeship to him? Another place to be faithful is at home. And home may look different for all of us. Maybe home for you is with a roommate or two. Maybe for you, it's with a spouse. Maybe it's a spouse with some kids. Maybe for you, home is just you. Regardless, we are encouraged and it is important for us to be faithful at home to show up usually those who are in our home with us see the worst side of us i did a wedding yesterday and one of the things i tell them is you're going to know each other really well you are going to be really defined because our, you, god is going to use this relationship to to uh, shape you because you guys are going to spend more time and you guys are going to see the worst parts of each other but God does it for his glory. And a lot of times to be a faithful presence at home, it means you just need to show up. How does this play out in my life? Well, again, like I said, I like my quiet mornings. But there are often times that my quiet mornings are interrupted by a little girl who comes downstairs because she's decided she did not want to sleep in this day. And I have two options. I can get frustrated and annoyed because this is not how I wanted my morning to go. That happens more often than I'd like to admit. But occasionally, my heart will soften. I'll invite her to come join me, and let's read the scriptures together. Let's do our prayer time together. Would you, do you want to pray with me this morning, sweetheart? And it's in those moments where, again, I just had to show up. I had to check my heart, but for me to be faithful there, to be faithful in my home, means setting aside what I want to do for the betterment of my family and for those that are in my home. Now, as I stated earlier, maybe home for you is just you by yourself, and I know that that can be a lonely place. And so if home is just you by yourself, I would encourage you, what does it look like for you to be a faithful presence to those who live around you? 
if it's an apartment building to those neighbors that you have right next door, if it's in a neighborhood, just the neighbors who live around you, what would it look like for them to know that they can always come and knock on your door and you will have a warm cup of tea for them or a spot at your table where you are available to walk with them through whatever they're going through? With our home, there is an open invitation for us to be faithful. And when we are faithful to those things, when we just show up, God can do amazing things. Last place I'd like to talk about is in our community. How are we faithful in our community? Now, our lives all look different. There are different aspects, different places that we find ourselves. So whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's with music lessons, whether it's on the ball field or on the basketball court, or even on the disc golf course, Daniel Berry. How can we be a faithful presence in those areas that God has called us to? What does it look like for us just to show up and to be faithful? And how does God want to use us in those areas? How can you be a steady presence in your community? The reality is this, everyone. We can agree our world is so divided. We can become so distracted so quickly. And there are so many different ways that we can be pulled. And so what does it look like for for us to choose to be faithful, to choose to be present and steady for those around us? And for example, in our workplace, when we're able to be that steady, reliant person, when maybe a coworker comes up and says, man, you are o- I can always count on you. You're always here, whether it's for a conversation, whether it's to get the job done, whatever it is, I know that I can count on you. And there is a perfect opportunity for you to, sh- to share with them. The reason that I am faithful is because I have a heavenly father who's faithful to me. Because the reality is this we are going to come up short. As much as we always want to show up and and we can give our best effort, there are going to be times where we come up short. God knows this. He's created us. And that's where we can rest in His faithfulness. That's where we can point back to His faithfulness. That's what He was telling Moses. Moses was about ready to go back down the mountain and talk to all these Israelites who are consistently unfaithful. And as he was about ready to leave them there, God wanted to remind him that he was the rock. He is the faithful one. And when others around us aren't faithful, or when we're not faithful, we can count on the faithfulness, on the amet of God. And we can rest and find peace in that. Now God is so smart, and not only does he show us his faithfulness, and not only did he send Jesus to be that ultimate example of what faithfulness looks like, but he also sent us the Holy Spirit. And in Galatians, we see this. We see this idea of what it looks like to have the fruit of the Spirit. So when we submit our lives to God, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, as Colton did today, and we accept him into our life, we, are, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, they call it the fruit. This is the byproduct of having the Holy Spirit live in our life. And as we submit our will to the will of God, more and more of these characteristics begin to show up. And so we we read these verses a lot, but they're really important because this is the opportunity, the people we are called to be and have an opportunity to be. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. There's that word, faithfulness. So we have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, we have 
God's faithfulness, but we also have the spirit that's working inside of us that can do a work that we cannot do on our own. But also, we have a part to play. We have a part to play in becoming a faithful person. Like I said, this is a long process over many miles. But there's a difference between trying to be faithful and training to be faithful. We've talked about this. What's the difference between trying and training? Right? Trying. We can try to do something. I'm going to try to play the guitar. Or we can train to play the guitar. That means I'm going to be intentional with buying a, a guitar, taking lessons. I'm going to have a plan to make something happen. That's training. I'm going to train to run a marathon. That doesn't mean I just wake up and go. It means I, I have some intentionality. I have a plan and I have a purpose and a direction I'm going to go. So the difference between training and, training and trying is intentionality. And so when it comes to being a faithful person, to being a faithful presence in our world, there's an aspect of training that we need to put in. There's effort on our end. I like how Paul, as he's writing to his mentee, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he says this, have nothing to do with pointless myths, pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. So there are probably all things that we like to train in, things we like to dedicate, things we want to get better in in this life, whether it's with our body or a craft that we have. And that is good, but it has limited benefit. But when we train for godliness, when we train to be like God, when we train to be faithful, it is not only good for now and in this life, but in the life to come. So that brings us to our daily training today. Show up. In all of these areas, or maybe there's an area that I missed, the first step of faithfulness is to show up. Show up and be present. And then the second part, and expect God to be there. Because He is faithful. He is faithful even when we are not. But our part to play, the first step in training in faithfulness, is just showing As I said earlier, the way I wanted to finish this morning was talking about Jesus' demonstration to God's faithfulness. And so now we're going to move into a time of communion. So deacons, if you want to go ahead and get in place. But go with me here for a second. So Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of God's faithfulness. Jesus walked with his disciples for three years through the ups and through the downs. And ultimately where that led was around a table, one night in an upper room. And while he's around the table in this room, he knows the hearts of the men who are sitting around that table. And the hearts of the men that are around that table, some of them were good, some of them were not. Jesus knew that most of the men around that table were going to abandon him in his weakest moment. He knew that one of them was going to betray him. And not only did he share a meal with them, but he served them and washed their feet. 
showing the primary demonstration of God's faithfulness, that in our unfaithfulness, He is willing to come to meet us around the table and to serve us and to demonstrate that faithfulness. So as the deacons start to pass out the elements, today, as we reflect, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Bryce is going to be up here. He's going to be playing some music. But what I would like for you guys to think about as you take communion is I want you to think about God's faithfulness to you. The areas maybe through the last week or through the last month where you have been unfaithful in some way, shape, or form. But how he has remained faithful. Be grateful for that. Thank him for those times. So as they're being passed right now, you're getting two cups. One of them has juice in it. The other one has a cracker. Here in a moment, once everyone's received what they're going to have, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and then take the cracker on your own. And then after a little bit of time of reflection, I'll come up and we'll take the cup together. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. If the elements are still being passed, I know that you're praying with me. Go ahead and receive those elements and we'll take communion together. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness. There are so many times, Lord, that in this world, people have let us down, that we have let people down. And you are so kind, and you are so gracious, and you're so slow to anger, and you are so faithful, Lord, that we get to rest in that. And so right now, as we come around your table, as we remember your sacrifice for us on the cross, I pray that you bring back times and memories where you have been faithful and that we sit in a posture of gratefulness and thankfulness that you can be depended upon, that you can be that steady rock we need as the world tosses us back and forth. Help us to hold on to that, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. And he passed it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Let's remember that promise together. And then he took the cup. He blessed it, passed it to him and said, I will not drink of this cup until I do anew with you in my Father's kingdom. But this blood, this cup represents my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's remember that promise and that faithfulness together now. Amen and amen. Let's stand up. Let's continue worship.